Slicing, dicing and charming its way to you in this episode of the Rumble Pack podcast is CD Projekt Red's 2015 mega fantasy hit, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Now this is what you call an epic. In this massive gorgeous open world of magic, monsters and dozens of great characters, we follow Geralt of Rivia, a monster hunter known as a witcher, as he battles and hunts his way across the fictional continent and its kingdoms in search of his beloved adoptive daughter and apprentice Ciri. The race is on though as Geralt must find Ciri before the dreaded wild hunt do, a vicious band of spectral warriors who want to use her sacred elder blood for their own interdimensional plot. And if there's one man who won't have a bar of that, it's Geralt. This mythical medieval journey is rightly one of the highest selling games of all time, and we're going to tell you why. So play that harp, Sir Jimbo. There seems to be spoilers ahead. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Rumble Pack Hello. podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I Sorry, am my bad. Luke's friend. Oh, I'm, I'm Will's friend. <laughs> Luke. I'm uh, Will's friend, um, Will. Oh, yeah. You, you are your own best friend. <laughs> I sure as hell am not. Uh, so, today, we're here to talk about an absolute classic uh, of the fantasy genre an RPG, yeah. action even, uh, The Witcher 3 the Wild Hunt. Mm. You, could call it a, you could call it a classic. For sure. I think it's yeah. a classic. Yeah, most people would. Sure. Yeah, only I think uh, six years, been out for six years or is it eight years, 2013 or 15? Uh, wait, let me, uh, it's got to be written on here somewhere. <laughs> it's got to be written on this case somewhere. Uh it's got to be 2015. It doesn't say 2015 yeah. for The Witcher, but a lot of the um, a lot of software they're they're using written rights for say um, 2015. So I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah, there you go. We'll go yeah. with that. Yeah. So uh, for a six year old game, it's already a classic, really, mm. in this genre. Everybody loves it, and we sure as hell played the living daylights out of it. Um, so, so much we had to take a break think- halfway through because this is too much. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So, just to just to uh, get things going, we're also we've brought the rum back. We're still actually recording remotely, of course, because we're in at the time of recording. We're just been into another lockdown uh, in Victoria. Yep, back another back at one, it again. N- number six, number six. Uh, and so we've both got to drink our own different rums. But I'm bringing something new to the table. I think Will's revisiting revisiting a classic. Yep, Sailor Jerry spiced. Caribbean rum. I don't know if we call it a classic. I think we gave it a mix it in episode one. Yeah, we gave it yeah, a mix it. Yeah, but it was the first. This yeah. is a good chance for me to give it a give it a retry, actually. Re-rank it, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. And and that's not a bad thing to do every now and then, I think. No. As our as our palates mature and we become bigger idiots. Yeah. We'll change our minds. Surely. Yeah. And it's good for our wallets. It rum is. It's is actually a lot easier for cheap. our wallets. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not so. Uh, Maybe if we stopped well, dumping well, on well, AA so much, we'd get a uh, sponsorship from them, and we'd be earning some more money. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. To be fair, EA is probably the only people who have copped a negative review from us in any yeah, way sure. on the show. Sure. 
so I'm drinking Superior Buckeye Rum. Uh, it's a, with an exotic finish. It's an original dark rum. Mm. And this cool. rum has been crafted with Caribbean rum and finished in oak barrels, bottled in France. Wow. The cool. usual 37% al- blood alcohol alcohol volume. Uh, and on the back. The usual. Buckeye the rum. The usual 37. Is that usual? Yeah. This one, this one uh, Sal Joe's has got 40%. Yeah, look, uh, 40 might be the usual. <laughs> Weak bitch. <laughs> they both ring a little big bells. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on the back of the bottle it says Buckeye Rum named after the Caribbean Buckeye Butterfly Buckeye Caribbean Original Dark Rum is aged in oak barrels resulting in rich and complete tropical flavours of vanilla and banana Oh, I didn't know they used banana barrels Yeah, must be do- from Donkey Kong country yeah maybe the ideal mixer for cocktails or served over ice bottled in France from Caribbean Rum bottled for pinnacle drinks level one one uh, twenty six Waterloo Street, uh, Surrey Hills, New South Wales, Australia. Oh, good, fantastic! Oh, cool. So um, have a little swig, let's, eh? Uh, let's give it a bit of a sniff and a yep, swig. Cheers! So cheers from two hundred k's away. The rabbits haven't eaten the wires yet, so we're still long line. How oh, good! Very good. Cheers to that. Cheers. I've got to say for a start, it's actually not that dark compared to your Sailor Jerry's I can see on the camera. It's quite pale. Yeah. The Sailor Jerry's actually is quite dark, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, maybe that's the spice in it. Who knows? Maybe. Um, anyway, off the uh, straight off the bat, this is not too bad, but nothing flash. I wasn't expecting huge things from it, but it's, it's all right. No, good. Hmm. Well, let's talk about The Witcher uh, 3. Yes. So, well, you've got the case there. I do. So, if you're happy to read through the case, mm-hmm. let's read that and then we'll uh, get stuck in. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt rated M for Mature 17 plus because this came from America. MA here, yeah. yeah. Yep. This world doesn't need a hero. It needs a professional. <laughs> That's actually not the kind of tagline I was expecting for this game. That's bad. <laughs> Become a witcher, <laughs> one of the last monster slayers for hire. Track down the child of prophecy, a living weapon capable of untold destruction. Journey through war. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Journey through war-torn to <laughs> kingdoms and slay legendary creatures. Explore towns rife with corruption and sail to untamed isles, home, of, home to clans of sea-faring warriors. In a world of descending... Um, oh man, I'm struggling. In a, in a world descending into turmoil, your actions shape history. And then in big, big-ass font, it says, Massive Open World Adventure. Oh, there you huge. Go. That's all it says. Not bad. Nice. Yeah. Not yeah. bad, not bad. Um, what I should have done is I should have gotten the map out of here and put it on the desk before we started. I didn't. Oh, Oh, the printable yeah. maps. How, how, thank God, even though um, the, the physical handbooks are gone from games, thank God the maps are still there mm. for some. Yeah, I love the maps. Mm. Yeah. So, this game from the outset is quite overwhelming and quite confusing. Uh, but it probably is really the closest thing you can get to Game of Thrones in a video game, though. 
Uh, yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Because we've got, uh, you know, like it's, it's, it has well over 100 hours of content and is about probably, I think, 20% larger than the Skyrim map um, in that game. Uh, so, yeah, it's okay. times like these, I'm, it's times like these I'm grateful that we focus mainly on character and story in this podcast because we'd be here for days trying to get through this entire game. <laughs> yep. Because it's so big. Uh, we'll but, have to do a, we'll an incredibly- have to do a bonus episode uh, where we, it's just The Witcher 3 uh, side quests in Valon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, there's so many side quests in this game. Yeah. And we, we, I don't think there was any point where we weren't overwhelmed by this game, even when we mm. whittled maybe through half of the content, which is, which is a lot still, which is 100 hours. Oh, it's tons. Uh, but it's an incredibly detailed world that would fit into medieval lore and myth seamlessly pretty much like it's based on i think slavic mythology uh so it has, it's got civil war in it it's got uh conquest poverty class differences uh bandits dragons or wyverns i think they're called in this yep uh we, we got witches elves dwarves fortresses backstabbing uh sex on a unicorn on the stuffed unicorn <laughs> uh political espionage and uh and death like it's totally just loaded to the brim with everything you probably want out of a medieval or fantasy drama yeah. action. It also has a fantastic uh, shot where Geralt spreads his legs in a bathtub. So, it literally has everything you'd want. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we mentioned, I think we mentioned at the end of last week's episode that we're going to talk about Geralt and his big pecs. <laughs> but it's not the most, it's not, it's not the best part of his body as we've you just reminded me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so even even though we both loved this game uh big time when it released uh we probably put about i reckon between us about 150 hours me a bit more than you yeah something Um, like that but it's fair to say that we yeah like i said we've uh, we've always been daunted by getting by the thought of getting back into this game Mm. even attempting it because it is it's not too hard or difficult it's just that when you're trying to do things like uh Oh, you know, mixing potions and crafting things and nailing combat combinations between uh, things that we call like almost like spells and actual sword play, uh, and even understanding the lore of the world again. It's it is really intimidating. Mm, it is. Um, it's just and because, like I said, it's similar to Game of Thrones, which is a huge world in the books, the Song of Ice and Fire books. I think because that's not you're not playing a game. You know, actually playing the story out and trying to master it yourself. I'd say that Game of Thrones is easy to get back into uh, if you hadn't read it for 10 years. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Even with the 30 John characters, you have to distinguish from <laughs> each other. <laughs> I, I always said to you and, and some other friends that I was going to uh, play the expansions. I always said, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to play those expansions for The Witcher 3 because they're, uh, from as far as I know, they're like both mm. like almost 40 hour long stories. There's two of them. Blood and wine and heart Hearts, something. Heart I can't remember. Yeah. And uh, I just can't bring myself to- Heart and stone, blood and wine. I yeah, think. that's probably right. I, think. I just can't bring myself to do it because it's, it's just no. such a huge undertaking. Uh, I, I literally just cannot even fathom doing it. Mm. Yeah. And to think of a, a good mate of mine, uh, Jack. Jack, if you're listening, shout out to you because I'm pretty sure he played this about four times right through. Man. To get all the different endings, and I, like I said, 
playing through once was just huge. And I felt like I was half as good as I should have been mm. by the end of that game because just so much. Yeah, well, yeah, I took a month break halfway through the game when I played it because mm. I just uh, I was just overwhelmed and I just wanted to s- stop playing it for like a few days at least. And then uh, about a month mm-hmm. went by and I hadn't picked it back up yet. And then I, um, you know, f- I'm glad I did and finished it. But yeah, it was it's just such a big undertaking. Yeah, it's huge. Mm. Yeah, it is huge. So just to sort of keep it s- simple enough, we won't get too far into the story of this, but we'll keep it ticking along just so so that everyone can sort of understand the general flow of the thing. Because like we said, there's a main quest, which your different choices affect different outcomes mm. right throughout it. Yeah. So it's quite com- complicated. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, but we. I think it's best that we we start off by introducing the main couple of characters just to sort of explain how they've got to this this point at the start of the game. Um, that being uh, Geralt, the main character, Ciri, the I guess the second main character who we're looking for, mm. and also the Wild Hunt, who are the uh, the the main the omni the omniscient villain, basically always in the background. Don't know where they're coming from exactly. What they are quite mysterious. Yeah. So. I think we'll uh, we'll we'll chip we'll chip away and we'll yeah um, chip away we'll we'll touch on the story as we go. go a little bit, uh, but it's mm. yeah it's it's too much story to talk about in a in an hour and a half or so podcast. You'd have to have genuinely like a five hour podcast to to actually get through everything if you want to include side yeah. quests and other stuff because there is so much to do, uh, and even the main quest line is just like I yeah I sort of did I sort of summarized the main quest line in a few notes I did this week and. Even that is just so much. So, yeah, if you really mm-hmm. want to experience everything this game has uh, and you haven't played it before and you're listening right now, I would just say, well, just actually go play it because mm-hmm. uh, that's where you're going to pick up all of the little uh, nitty-gritty story side quests and all that stuff. So, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about some of the characters like Geralt of Rivia, the White Wolf. Uh, yes, well. So he's the Witcher. He's this monster hunter. This a Witcher is <clears throat> the name, basically, of a monster hunter. It was almost like a species, really, of human mm. to an extent, because they're very different. Uh, actually, some I actually wrote a little summary on on the order of the witches. If you'd like to hear it, I'm not sure if you had a look at any of this stuff. I would love to hear but it. But the order of the witches, uh, the witches are they're basically like magic using knights that were created by the kings in the 10th century to help Nordlings rid of enemies they are unable to exterminate, which, in other words, is monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the term Witcher came along when many mutation attempts resulted in commoners that were capable of nothing more than just witchery. So they like basically were like trying to mutate commoners to be like really strong magic-using soldiers, but the commoners actually just became able to, to do some magic. They wouldn't actually be physically better. Or anything like that, so they sort of outcast them and just called them witches because they were like freaks that just did a bit okay. of magic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, breakthroughs were made uh, in this field through like some secret, secret groups and stuff. But basically, uh, many witcher schools were created in secret to keep this uh, mutations experiments going. Uh, and eventually, the order of witches was disbanded, which is where uh, the school of the wolf where. Which uh, where Geralt went at Kaimoran, 
uh, where he resided uh, sort of came from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good background. Because yeah. I was, that's one of those things where I look at and go, how do I summarize this? <laughs> and how far do we go? Because, <clears throat> oh, yeah, we could, oh, there's so much, so much backstory. Because this is based on a series of books, I think, from a fair while ago. Mm. And uh, so with these games, this trilogy of games, the first two that we didn't play and were quite old. So hence, well, we've, hence we skipped to this third one. Yep. But they, these games basically take place towards the back end of his career. So it's yeah. almost a continuation of the books, I think. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so Geralt is a famous witcher, probably I think the most famous. Uh, and so basically, um, as you just described, yeah, he was uh, trained since childhood in the combat, tracking um, alchemy and magic to become this witcher. Yeah. Um, so he's almost almost superhuman, but emotionally and physical physically sterile as well, due to being exposed to these mutagens that were part of becoming who they are. To make which they've basically done this to make them immune to things like toxins and things like that. So yeah, uh, essentially his sole purpose is to kill. Though he does like to party and he does like women. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Quite a bit, <laughs> <laughs> but he's but he's uh, he's actually a quite a striking figure. Um, yeah. He's, he's a unit. He's tall. He's broad. Mm. He's uh, got the got the white hair, the stark white hair with yellow eyes, piercing yellow eyes, and the the hairs are part of this whole mutagen exposure too. It's just made him completely yeah. sapped of yep. color. In so so he's known as the White Wolf. Yeah, uh, I wish he played for Essendon with his build. <laughs> <laughs> that would be he would be handy. Big center. He'd half be the next Lloydie, that's for sure. Or Scotty Lucas. <laughs> Mate, Lordy fell over all the time. This bloke would keep his feet. Okay. Don't worry about okay. that. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's he's a real he's a real emotionless bastard, really. Mm. Uh, he's a bit like John Marston from Red Dead Redemption, but he uh, kind of just speaks his mind without any emotional filter, and uh, he has zero fear, really. And I think I know why as well. In my research, I came across something quite interesting. Mm. So he he. <clears throat> He chose the name. This is the name that he wanted to have. Geralt Roger okay. Eric Du Haytu Bellegarde. I'm probably I'm probably mispronouncing <laughs> it, but that's the name he wanted. And and oh. it was dismissed by Vesemir as silly and pretentious. Vesemir, his yeah. mentor. And Geralt then chose of Rivia, like Geralt of Rivia as his name, uh, as a more practical name. And then he adopted the Rivia accent because of that fact as well but he wanted a di- yeah, he wanted right. a different name and Vesemir basically shot it down so no wonder he just speaks his mind and doesn't give a stuff anymore because he he literally couldn't even pick the name he wanted <laughs> he can't even be who yeah. he wants to be <laughs> oh wow yeah. now that's very interesting and i know he's not actually from rivia hmm. even more interesting yeah, yeah. so well uh, it- and in this big in this big fictional world that's called the continent so it's basically the Middle Earth or the Westeros of this game. Yeah. Well, he was left. He was left to the witches at uh, Kea Moran by his mother. So uh, I, I'm not sure if it's known where he was born. It probably is. You, you could research it, but yeah, he's not hmm. from there originally. Yeah. Um, well, well, things uh, just to get an idea of where he sort of starts his story in this game and how it sort of unfolds. Uh, things kick off uh, when Geralt is hunting for a griffin with his mentor, Vesemir, as you just mentioned. Uh, 
He's a witcher who trained him in pretty much everything he does. Uh, but shortly after, Geralt receives a letter from his long-lost lover, Yennefer, a sorceress, uh, a fine sorceress, uh, summoning him to the court of the Nilfgaardian Emperor, Emmy, mm-hmm. who's voiced by Charles Dance of Tywin Lannister fame. Yep. So scary as heck <laughs> straight away. I didn't, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> actually, he, that's cool. Yeah, mm. yeah. So the Emperor orders... Um, Geralt to find Ciri, who's the Emperor's biological daughter, and as it turns out, Geralt's adopted one, who who he'd basically taken under his wing yep. when she was abandoned at a young age to then uh, basically, and he basically trained her up as a witcher, but he didn't know who her father was. So, I'm not sure if this is um, canon to the game or not, but it's canon to the books in the TV show, but Geralt basically... Uh, he helped lift a curse from the king a long time ago. Uh, and as a reward, he acted, uh, uh, he sort of acted on this thing called the law of surprise, which is uh, some sort of ruling in this world where it, where it's, <laughs> what a great yeah, name. yeah, it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of, it's, it's basically define your destiny or, or something like that. I, I'm not really sure. But basically, the law of surprise. Uh, ended up being that the king's wife was pregnant at the time with Siri, and because of this, Siri was bound to Geralt because it because because it was literally his destiny. And I found a journal entry uh, about Siri uh, in the game that says, "I could also tell you that she is Geralt's adopted daughter, but that would be a gross simplification. Siri is much more; she is his destiny." His unexpected child, someone bound to the Witcher by fate's most inextric- inextricably tangled feathers. Yeah, mm. so that's pretty much it's pretty much how it went. Yeah, yeah, it's a really it's it's a really strange, very medieval way to have a, a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's weird, and we'll yeah, and we'll introduce uh, Siri um, shortly as well. But that's sort of where things kick off is that yeah Geralt's tasked with finding her uh and we <clears throat> and he learns that of three places Ciri was recently seen um one being the swampy province of Valon uh, which is almost like a massive version of Shrek's swamp almost it's a pretty miserable place. yeah <laughs> uh, a bit of variety not much variety um the free city state of Novigrad which is almost I think if you think Game of Thrones think King's Landing almost that sort of the, the crown lands sort yeah, of area yeah uh, and the Skellige Isles, which is a very almost uh, Nordic style mm. uh, country uh, island with full of Viking sort of characters. The best, the best uh, place in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, it mm. is really cool. And uh, but all each of these regions are sort of under different in different kingdoms. It's sort of uh, it's quite tricky to sort of uh, I guess understand. Uh, yep. But it's all all very medieval, all very. Uh, very unique. Uh, very, very unique from each other. Yeah, these different. Yeah, areas. they are. Mm. So they're all um, dense with lots of life as well, like peep NPCs, wildlife, different. I think maybe even different weather patterns and stuff sometimes. And yeah, the the game mm. feels very alive. It's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool world to to just sort of free roam around in and 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 just go uh, go on your own way and find find things. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, it's it's huge as well. I think I don't think if, I don't know if you can ride necessarily from one to the other. I think that'd be 
is in Valen and between Valen and Novigrad. I know it's on the same land, but I think there's a point where you sort of have to fast yeah, travel. Yeah, there from is one end of the ma- edge of the map to the next. Co- so, which is yeah, fine. Yeah, it- would have been too big otherwise. Oh uh, yeah, and then of course to Skellige, uh you, you literally fast travel there, like on a boat. Um, yeah, but once mm. you're there, you can free roam. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, even with that, it's such a big world. Yeah. <laughs> mm. It's uh, it's it's huge. Like we said, it it honestly hurts the brain. A not bit. not helped at Do all by uh, Geralt's horse Roach, that can uh, for some reason <laughs> just never do the right thing or turn or or just be in the right spot when you need him to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention Roach actually, and I, I should have when I was uh, describing Geralt. Roach is a very important part <laughs> of Geralt's life, and uh, to be fair, being called Roach. Uh, Really makes him sound like the idiot he mm. is. God's sake! He's not a he's not a horse to be taken seriously. That's In every sure. game where you have uh, have a horse <laughs> to ride, when you can whistle your horse to to come to you nearby, no 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 game does it worse than this one. <laughs> Roach <laughs> ends up on the on rooftops and on buildings sideways and all this crap. It's it's so funny. Oh. it is cool though, actually, because he he carries your trophies around, which give you perks in combat and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that is cool. Whatever. Mm. So I remember. Um, early on so I think it was uh, might have been I don't know if it was the griffin that we slayed with Vesemir at the start that I just alluded to uh, but you can take its head as a trophy in, or any creature you defeat like boss almost you can take its head or a part of it and tie it to the side of your horse yeah. basically as a way of showing people this is what I've killed and that, that's meant to give Geralt perks as a, as a yeah. result so, that's kind of cool, but it's sort of all that Roach is really good for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but but to be fair, he's not the worst part of Geralt's navigation. That's the, the damn swimming. Mm. Trying to get that bloke to swim oh, yeah. the way you want him to is impossible. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. To be fair, a lot of mechanics in this game, like it, they don't bring the overall experience down too much because the game is just so unique and uh, and engaging. But even something like uh, the menu screen, your inventory, it just—it's just such a bloody hassle. It's just such a mess, mm. and the font and the too font much, is so small as well. Things like that, like it's just—it's it's like they went out of their way to make it a little bit difficult or something. Even just to swap mm. your inventory, it's—it's it's really painful sometimes. It's a matter of too much information, and where some things should have been left to the. You know, the PC hardcore gamers who love that sort of yeah. micromanagement. Mm. Whereas, so, so it does sort of meet the happy medium a bit. Like, uh, Witcher 2 uh, is actually was on the console as a direct port as well. So, and even played like it. It was quite clunky and a bit gross, to mm. be honest. Um, but with this, it's quite, uh, I found it really accessible in some ways. Like, you know, casting spells is all to the one button, which is easy. Yep. But it, when it so the, the actual combat, for example, so there's not too many controls you have to click, which is good. But when you're going into menus and trying to equip things, and you go to, you know, uh, for example, I don't know what it's called, but say the Codex menu item, which will then open up the encyclopedia, the bestiary, the characters, the tutorials, and and then inside those menus, there's more menus. Yeah, and you just you get to a point where you just like you eventually get used to it after like twenty hours. <laughs> But then as soon as you stop for like two weeks, you have no idea where anything is again. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's so much. Yep. So it's pretty it, it seems um, pretty clear to me that it was a PC PC game. I think it actually came out on PC first. Like I, I'm pretty sure it was a PC mm, game that mm, they put on console as well. Uh, 
Yeah, they just they did keep consoles in mind for this one at least. The second game I played a bit of and just got too frustrated with because it was too too PC. Yep. Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh which is hard to explain unless you've actually experienced playing a ported game. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um and for anyone who's not familiar, port uh, a port is basically like an aftermarket uh version that's been Many like changed from an original PC concept to working on a console, mm-hmm. basically, rather than just doing it from development from the outset. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving along, uh, we've got so to introduce Siri or Cirilla Fiona Allen Rhiannon. Yeah. So she's so she's the uh, adopted adoptive daughter of Geralt, as we said, uh, and. Yeah, Geralt basically raised her as a witcher in combat and Yennefer uh, taught her sorcery. So, she's sort of a basically a big combo of power. Oh, yeah. Really. She's very powerful. Mm. Uh, and we find out that more as we play the game. But, uh, yeah, as it turns out, she's actually the final bearer of the Elder Blood, mm. uh, which is basically an ancient source of magical power that helps the bearer master time and space. Yep in some real kooky sort of ways. So she's, yeah, she's just absolutely loaded (laughs) with all sorts of potential. Yeah, well, that sort of explains uh, why so many mages and and the Wild Hunter are after her because they literally want to extract her blood Mm. for their own, like, research and uh, power. Mm. And honestly, like, uh, just talking about her appearance quickly, like, so she's got the white hair, Similar to Geralt, she's mm. gone through the same sort of process, but she's got so much more emotion. She's actually such a charming character. Yeah, for sure. She's like quite I, jovial sometimes, but she's also super like strong and fierce, honorable. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. And she never really seems over overawed. Like she seems in control all, all the time. Yeah. But, but never a narky or miserable character. Like she's just, I don't know, she's just a, a joy to, in the limited time you get to be with her. Uh, and plays her, but when you do see her, you just like she's really charming. Yep, she's definitely got mm. that like sort of young, young adult, young person uh, energy or thought about the world, where she's a bit of a free spirit, and she mm. she, uh, she maybe doesn't know all the like sort of bad things about the world yet. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'd say what in this, she's probably eighteen, twenty. Yeah, something like that. that. Age. Mm. Yeah, so. And she, uh, and the the best thing is because we know about this power in her, uh, and uh, obviously as, as Geralt's trying to find her, we sort of get these snippets at the end of these little sections, which we'll go through soon, where you play as Siri, uh, just to sort of play out the last bits of the story that Geralt, as Geralt learns about where she's been and everything, and then you know we sort of go back and play as her through those bits of story that he's being mm. told, uh, and it's just a uh, we sort of, yeah, we get to play as her as she's learning her own power and get to master her powers and um, at, in combat and everything. And good Lord, is she overpowered. <laughs> yeah, but she's crazy. This is one, But this is one of those times where being overpowered is more than okay. Like, yeah. Because Geralt's the real grind and, you know, the master of combat and we've got to try to master it with him. She, when you get her, it's literally half an hour of just cutting through everyone like butter. <laughs> And it's so fun. Yeah, it's like, super it's, satisfying. It's, it's, it's awesome. Like she's, uh, oh, yeah, just such a strong 
character and they just don't hold anything back from her. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Hmm. I believe I um, believe her hair color is referred to as ashen. It is. Hmm. Yeah. Just a fun, ash. fun note. Not to be mistaken with black ash. So yeah, if I think ashen, I'd think like, oh, it must be black. Well, uh, yeah, it's prob- black, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, when we do eventually see... Uh, well, because Geralt's only true care outside of himself, basically, in this game is is Ciri. Uh, and as the events of the game suggest, she's very much a key character, yeah, to the fate of the entire realm. Yeah. So, it's, he's sort of fighting for him, but also for others. Yeah, which is yeah. sort of a first for him, I think, in his sort of character. Mm. Uh, and, and, yeah, when we do see them together eventually, um, the father-daughter relationship between the two of them is, is like, really powerful. Yeah, it is. Like it's great. Mm. It's just it's more like a friend thing than a, a direct father daughter experience. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. It's sort but, of it's mm. got that sort of Joel and Ellie energy to it. It does yeah. actually. You're right. Yeah, it does. Uh, without the the total sadness of the whole situation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a bit of there's a bit <laughs> of light left in Siri compared to compared to Ellie. <laughs> I think while we're on the topic of characters. And you just said that uh, series maybe Geralt's only other concern the whole game. I think it's probably uh, probably a good time to mention two two characters quickly that are important to the game's story uh, and important to Geralt in particular, and that is Yennefer of Vengerberg and mm-hmm. Triss Merigold, who are pretty much uh, Geralt's two romance opportunities through the game because you can basically end up mm. with one at the mm-hmm. end each in their different sort of region yeah um yeah. so y- yennefer is a uh, a one-time member of the lodge of sorceresses uh so she's like a <laughs> sorcerer mage kind of person she's she's quite uh she's quite cold and uh mean yeah i'd say but she's caring because she yeah, she is point. a bit of a mother figure for uh for siri uh, mm. While Triss is sort of like a big sister to Siri, she, but they both had stints with Siri at Kaimoran while she grew up, I believe. So they both know her, yep. and they've both spent time a lot of time with Geralt. Um, and Triss is a uh, a sorceress as well from Temeria, I think. Something yep, like Tamiria. that. Yeah, that's one. Of, that's one of the, one of the kingdoms. Yeah, and she's uh, mm. somewhat in love with Geralt and a bit jealous of Yennefer, who is Geralt's sort of true love. Um, mm. So, it's this, yeah, kind of love triangle that sort of happens, but it's 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 not really a triangle because they're, never, they're hardly ever in the same room, but you sort of know in the mm. back of the <laughs> back of your mind. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're good characters too. They play a big part in the game as well, so I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they, yeah, so we sort of, we, we'll explain as we go, but uh, we sort of get a proper look at Triss first. As in her with Geralt, when we sort of get to Novigrad, and I think Yen Yennefer comes back into it in Skellige more or less. But but Yen is also in early in the game, like I said, where sort of everything kicks off. But then when there's a big gap where we don't see her, but all he does is Geralt refers to her a lot, and we're sort of mm. going, it's which is sort of yeah, coming into it as a the third in the series. We're not quite sure where they all sit or their full background, but we just know that Geralt's had a bit of. A bit of business with both yeah. of them at one point or probably the same time knowing Geralt. Well, te- as in, I mean, 
not at the same time. I'm just saying, as in, he definitely would have been playing them off against each other at some. Oh point. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Technically, we get a first. Uh, we get the first look at Yennefer in uh, like the opening scene, uh, where Geralt happens to be uh, spreading his legs in the bathtub, <laughs> and and, and Yennefer Lord. sends a. Uh, she sends like a sort of scorpion creature into the bathtub to to give Geralt a nip. <laughs> oh my god! I'm surprised this game isn't R-rated. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets pretty bloody full on at points, and you get to—they're putting literally putting the decision in kids' hands of who the hell they want to have sex with. And it's quite <laughs> like seriously. Oh god. Yeah. Um, so anyway, all the kids out there, hope you made the right choice, and you are now loyal. Yeah, for sure. Because this game in that in that area. Uh, you can be as unloyal or loyal as you like. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the last uh, yeah. sort of main character I know you wanted to touch on that we should touch on is uh, not a character but the Wild Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to touch on that. Yeah, they're uh, so they're very, very creepy and uh, I think they they stay very mysterious and they don't quite end up being as cool and mysterious mm. as they initially seem. But the wild hunts basically believed because it's almost a rumored thing and all that Geralt knows, it's like an ancient force that's coming to get him or coming to get Siri mm. for their elder blood. Yep. And we, we're, you know, pretty naive about them as well. So we sort of have to learn as everyone else does. And we know Geralt knows, but he sort of doesn't really talk to people about it because you can tell he's quite fearful of them yep. if anything's going to make him fearful it's that um so they're basically a spectral group of wraiths who can travel time and basically dimensions uh almost like the four horsemen but a lot of them yeah uh to murder and pillage to murder and pillage basically uh, they actually resemble the nazgul or the ring wraiths a fair bit from lord of the rings mm, yeah they do uh and they're quite similar in their in their uh attitude <laughs> i think they're very uh they're just very dark and but it turns out uh um i think they learn fairly soon that they're sort of like a a legion almost like a legion of like ghost elf elves mm. almost from a particular dimension of elves basically uh they're, and they're seeking syria to get her elder blood or use her in general uh to prevent a cataclysmic event back in their home world yeah called the the white frost or great frost or something like mm. that. Uh, I've got it written further down. Uh, but they are, yeah, pretty much a looming threat throughout the entire game, but we rarely see them directly until later on, which we'll discuss. Yep. Uh, but they're, I accidentally, in Valen, which I've, I'll touch on, I did accidentally stumble upon one much earlier in the story than I should have and got destroyed and had no idea what I was fighting against and it's quite <laughs> scary. <laughs> so it's best to just tackle them in due course yeah, okay <laughs> um, but yeah it's um they're quite mysterious and very they're almost their leader uh in eld elden something uh erin eridin 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 sorry thanks <laughs> uh he's he's almost like a sauron kind of character as mm. well so it's um yeah, it's very it's quite dark. Um, yep. But I just uh, move, moving on from 
the wild hunt did you did you have anything any initial thoughts that you had on them uh, oh, I don't know they just I think they look I think they look kind of cool really like sort of skull face appearance like mm. they they look uh, they, they remind me of uh, uh, like Dementors sort of followers of Voldemort kind of scenario for sure um, mm. yeah no they're, they're just they're cool I, I think they they probably feature just enough to keep them mysterious but then I don't think the payoff mm. Uh, at the end uh, is as good as it could have been uh, with them from memory. But, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're fine. I mean, they're you know, Wild Hunt's literally in the, the name of the game. So, you'd hope that they are somewhat interesting and they are. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, they do look quite creepy and their horses look almost dead as well. So I love, I love like sort of um, dead skull horses. I don't know. It's just a thing I like. Yeah, I know that they actually make they can, they steal a scene. Yeah. <laughs> they just have to flash on screen. You go, okay, this is creepy. <laughs> Even in Minecraft, you can get skull horses. I like bone horses. If a lightning uh, lightning bolt hits your horse, they like summon the bone horses. And what? I always rode and oh, I always cool. rode those instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so just before we get to the story, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to the graphic novel style refreshes that we get, mm-hmm. almost like cutscenes when we resume the game. Yeah. If you ever, you know, when you stop a session, then you come back. Um, they pretty much explain everything you've done in the main quest up to that point. Uh, just, to, just, just to let you know, like where you're at, just in case you've forgotten because there's quite a oh, bit going on. Very, so it's, very helpful after my month off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's super handy. Uh, and... Yeah, vital in remembering where the hell you're up mm. to because without it would have been useless. And it's really cool. It's like yeah, graphic graphic art style. Yeah, no, it's it's um, unique. It's pretty pretty sweet. Hmm. Uh, but so the first place we visit in the game, getting onto the general ebb and flow of the story, uh, is in Valen. So that's the sort of swampy, rundown. Almost, it's it's pretty much described as a no man's land. It was yeah. in between two kingdoms. Yep. It was the contested area that sort of left in a void that's been taken over by a bloke called the Bloody Baron mm-hmm. or Philip Strenger, who's yep. uh, assumed assumed control and dominion over the area, basically. So, what brings us here? Well, pretty much, uh, Geralt he heads to Valon firstly to find Triss Merigold. Uh, and as Yennefer heads to Skellige to investigate a magical disturbance that might be linked to Ciri. So, they sort of split ways because they come uh, when Geralt faces, uh, faces has a uh, uh, meeting with the king. He's with Yennefer, whatever. But there's basically, first things first, Geralt tries to find a man named Hendrix who is a imperial agent working on Ciri's case uh, because, like, basically this whole game, you're just working towards finding leads to figure out of Ciri's whereabouts. You're literally just on her trail the whole game. That's a big, de- big detective yeah, game. it's pretty much what it is at the end of the day. Uh, you find Hendrix dead as the wild hunt actually got to him first, but you find out Ciri was a guest of the Bloody Baron through a note left behind from Hendrick. Uh, so, mm. who's the Bloody Baron? The Bloody Baron. So, <clears throat> honestly, he's probably the most... Oh, most prominent supporting character throughout the... He's, he's just in this segment of the game. Yeah. But he's, he's 
it's probably the most most memorable in terms of how dark and grim this part of the story mm. is, and it's the first one. It's the first major sort of quest line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and it's probably the the longest um, sort of almost a quest line, I think. Mm. Uh, and he's a real he's a real warlord style character who proclaimed himself Baron by seizing control over the previously disputed Valon. Yep. So, hence it being called No Man's Land. Uh, so in the in his uh, journal entry that's there officially in the game, uh, just to sort of set the oh there it does go through his entire sort of journey with Geralt, but I'll read through a part of it now just to sort of set up his where he fits in. So it reads uh, during his first encounter with Baron Philip Strenger, Geralt found the main the man's many contradictions puzzling. This former Temerian soldier was clearly an opportunist who, after his army's resounding defeat, served, served, dealt and negotiated with the occupying empire of Nilfgaard. The local peasantry anointed him the Bloody Baron, a clear indication that he did not handle his vassals with kid gloves. On the other hand, he proved a surprisingly gracious host to an unexpected guest who was also a stranger and a hired monster slayer, that being Geralt. Yep. Uh, so... It's he's pretty dark though. Like he, his treatment of children and young women towards whom he demonstrated wholly sincere, nearly near fatherly concern, likewise contradicted his bandit-like appearance and terrifying moniker. Mm. Uh, so Siri learned this for herself, finding care and shelter under his roof. So he's he's quite yeah. You dig a bit deeper, and he's actually quite caring. Yeah, it's but he's also very brutal. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he commits, you know, hangs people left right. Yeah, so. I'll I'll explain what where he sits in the story. So Geralt uh, goes and speaks with the Baron, uh, and he's offered information on Siri at a price. Uh, that price being that he needs to find the Baron's missing wife and daughter. Uh, his Geralt's search takes him to a local pala, like an exorcist, uh, who explains to Geralt that the Baron had been a terror to his family and that his wife's recent pregnancy had ended in a mysterious miscarriage, which you'd be thinking at this point, mm. it's like, what the hell does this have to do with finding Siri? Like, what, where is this going? Anyway, so the fetus from the miscarriage had transformed into a dangerous monster called a botchling. Uh, <laughs> a very dangerous monster, yeah. might you know. And the Geralt makes the Baron confess to all of it, and he agrees to show Geralt the child's remains. So somehow we're gonna find Siri by looking at a child's <laughs> remains. Yeah. Geralt can either save the botchling, turning it into a lubbican, which may help lead them to the mother, or he can murder it and use a blood sample to form a ritual to the same effect. So like this is where these sort of choices start to come in, uh come into the game. Geralt eventually finds his wife and daughter and receives uh receives info that Siri actually saved uh, saved him during a horseback race from a large basilisk, as in Siri saved the Baron during a horseback race, uh, resulting in the mm. wild hunt showing up and causing her to flee to the free city of Novigrad. So that's where that's mm. where the Baron's uh, quest line takes you. Anyway, it takes you out of Valon. <laughs> yeah, it does. It takes you. But you, you don't leave Valon yet. But yeah, yeah, mm. uh, and yeah, and and through learning about his wife's miscarriage and. All that we learn that he's got quite a uh, st- uh, heavy taste for the drink, yep. 
and he's uh, can become quite violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then and then the story in helping trying to find up his wife, trying to find his wife. We uh, then go on to meet uh, three of the creepiest and most disgusting characters we've ever seen in video games, <laughs> who uh, who have at one point or another held Siri and also uh, uh, the ba- the Baron's wife and daughter hostage. Yeah, but uh, oh, hang on a second. Oh, we've got to cross now to a breaking news story. Uh, we'll be back with you in a moment. Okay. Welcome to this special report on Rumble Pack News. Jimmy, where do you find yourself today and what's this breaking news story? Well, Bill, I'm here in the Valen countryside and I'm... Wait, Valen? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, the way I sees it, Siri needs to be found, so I figured it best I come find Geralt and give him a hand. Uh... We'll just go along with it. Go on then. I'm here at the end of the crossroads, and I gotta tell you boys, I've seen all manner of creatures on my way here. I've seen bears, wolves, wargs, wyverns, werewolves, jean, gargoyles, griffins, hags. Get to the point, Jimmy. Uh, uh, well, uh, ice trolls, ice giants, uh, neckers, uh, weird creepy little things they are, uh, Jenny of the Woods, vampires, and perhaps the most interesting of all, Stand crabs. Oh, right. Well, here I am at the inn, and I'm telling you, there's some weird old folk around these parts. Some have knives and all. Wait, Jimmy, maybe you get out of there before... Hey, sir. Oh, sorry to interrupt your drink in this corner here. Uh, oh, oh uh, sorry, ma'am. Uh, it's awful dark in here. Uh, anywho, have you seen a girl named uh, Siri? Uh, white hair, big sword. Oh, you have? Oh, great. Whoa! Be careful with that knife, sir. Oh, oh sirs. Didn't see you all there in the shadows. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean she's down the trap door? Wow. Jimmy. This here is a Rumble Pack podcast exclusive, Bill and Luke. Follow me as I journey into the depths of this basement to rescue dear Siri. Jimmy, don't. Siri! Siri! You're down there? Uh, anyway, find out how this ends up next time on Rumble Pack News. Jimbo, cut it there. Oh, well, sorry I did that, Jimbo. Um, condolences to your brother. I hope he's, I hope he's okay. Mm, yeah, we'll t- we'll talk to him after the show. We'll have maybe yeah, get a beer with him. Yeah, yeah I think we should. Mm. I Getting back on The Witcher, I had, just before we get back into where we were in the story, I've just got one little thing I wanted to bring up. And that was uh, the other day on Messenger, you and I asked... Uh, an alumni of this podcast, Tom Thomas Russell, my brother, what he thought of The Witcher 3. And I did write down what he said. So, I'd like to just say what he said because it's quite funny. He goes... Oh, yeah. yeah oh, and this, just brace yourself, everyone. This is groundbreaking stuff. You'll never get more <laughs> insight into a man's inner workings than this. Yeah. So, I said, you know, what do you think? I think the question was just, what do you think of The Witcher 3? Have you got any thoughts on The Witcher 3? <laughs> Uh, he, he sent uh he sent a gif. Just I can't remember what he said. I think he just sent a gif saying, 
like a gif of Henry Cavill in the show just saying saying the F word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's. And then, and then um, that was it until we prompted him again. <laughs> yeah, and then he said, ha, 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 on a serious note, it's good. <laughs> Some quests are definitely better than others, ha, ha. It took... It took me so long to work out how to use all of the different signs at the right time. But once I figured that out, I was sorted. So, thank you, Tommy. Fantastic. For that one. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Very good. <laughs> well, I mean, look, to be fair, not every game has some missions that are better than others. Some of them are all the same exact level of good. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up. We did ask him, so I probably should should say it. Yeah, we should. But let's get yeah, back on. Wanna... Yes, what was that? Oh no, we're well, speaking of science. That's the important part. We should mention talk about the gameplay as well. Mm. Yeah. So just quickly, because we're playing as Geralt, uh, in the combat we get, uh, like we said, there's lots of exploration and looting and things. So um, that's pretty self-explanatory. But in terms of combat, we've got. Uh, Geralt has a steel sword, which we use for human enemies or just, uh, you know, standard animals. Then we have a silver sword, which he uses for any sort of creature or monster. Uh, you know, basically, the steel sword will do nothing against against human, uh, sorry, against creatures. But silver sword does heaps of damage and sort of vice versa. Yeah. We get potions. We, we get potions we mix up that give us perks such as speed boost, health boost, uh, you know, resistance to poisons, all sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then probably the funnest part of the combat is actually the signs, which are sort of uh, essentially they're combat-specific spells that help you change up the way you fight enemies uh, in a battle to yep. exploit their weaknesses or just look like a total badass, really, which is, mm. uh, which is uh, some of them just look epic. So we have the Ard sign, which is a directed blast of uh, telekinetic energy that staggers opponents, sort of leaving them open for a follow-up attack with the sword or whatever. We have Igni, uh, which is a directed fiery blast, which you can upgrade into basically like a flamethrower at some point. And these are all coming out of your your left hand, by the way, which is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, with these sort of runes that appear around them, almost like Doctor Doctor Strange style when he starts when he starts yeah, shaking yeah. runes with his hands. So which so is cool. really cool. Uh, and yeah, the damage goes up with the, the intensity of the Igni. Uh, Eden, which is uh, a magic trap that slows enemies who enter its area of effect. So you plant it on the ground, they walk into it and then just stop basically. Uh, we have Quen, which is a protective shield that lasts uh, until it has absorbed damage. Uh, so it just goes around Geralt and then you know, might take five hits and then it'll break down and he's exposed to attacks like normal mm-hmm. and then finally we have Axie which is a which we actually use in uh, negotiating with characters because we have uh, there's selections in your dialogue here so you can you know pick your responses what you want to say to the character and they react accordingly and so there's some options there where you can actually charm them charm the opponent's mind uh, temporarily 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 <laughs> eliminating <laughs> them from combat from combat uh, so yep. they basically just get distracted or in this conversation context uh, you can manipulate them to give you an answer to something but sometimes you have to be a certain level to actually get a, an answer out of them that you want so yep. it's okay. quite interesting but that that's just a key part of the very much a key part of the of the uh, gameplay 
Yeah, it is. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you either remembered those or wrote them down because if you'd asked me about them, I would have just quickly moved on to the next subject. I would never clue. <laughs> but, I do, but I remember using them, and yeah, they're effective. I think there was there's one that's a fi- fire spell, igni, igni. That uh, I'm pretty sure that was the one I used probably ninety percent of the time. I just it looks the coolest. Yeah, I just spam that all the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the first one you get too. First mm. or second one that no, you get. Is. So, yeah, you, 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 might, you actually might even get it when you fight the Griffin or, or just after or something like that. So, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, bringing us back uh, to where we were in the story, you did mention the Crones just before uh, that news report. I just wanted to mention what, you know, why we actually went there. So, Geralt, he seeks out a lady named Kira Metz, who is a sorcerer and uh, a bit of an old flame of Geralt's as well. Another old flame. Mm-hmm. He gets around. Yes. Uh, they just dis- they discover an elven mage had also been tracking Siri and want to find out why. Uh, and through some digging, they find left behind apparitions from the mage, which tells a story uh, of Siri's fight against the crones of Crookback Bog. Crookback uh, Bog. And Geralt discovers that Siri <laughs> did indeed venture there and escape the witch's swamp as they intended to sell her to the Wild Hunt. I know you've got a bit more information on that uh, if you want to explain. Yeah. So, well, the crones are basically, when you go to find them, and like I think we mentioned that the the Baron's family is actually held captive by them as well. Yeah. So, we're going to track them down. And the crones look like three sort of pretty women to start with uh, when you yeah. enter their swamp. Um, so, they basically just got a, a house. Basically, just just- Hansel and Gretel going into the forest, finding a cool house, but it's not as nice as it seems, basically. Mm. Uh, so, you get these uh, really, really uh, attractive women to start with. And <laughs> what t- what it turns out they actually look like, because they're the crones, is truly creepy, uh, disgusting and disgusting. <laughs> uh, because they're actually these vile witches who appear, uh, who they're actually like, yeah, just totally grotesque. And one's called the Bruess. The others are Weaves and the Wispess. Uh, and they've basically got massive boils all over them. They've All three of their faces are covered, uh, except you can see sort of through like these, you know, they have like Hessian, like one has like a basket over her face. She's like the massive Hulk-sized version. <laughs> the, the other two are like all crooked and skinny. They've got massive like long fingers and, yeah, just warty flesh and ragged clothes and the creepiest voices as well. It's just, uh, it's really gross. I actually don't know what's scarier. Uh, thinking of the uh, crones and how disgusting and scary they are, or last week's listing of all of the different types of necromorphs in, de- in Dead Space. Oh, these are shorter and and sweeter in disgustingness. Imagine if the crones were in Dead Space. Oh my god, I don't want to. I don't we're know. We're not talking about even, a game ever again. I'm don't even know why I brought up the thought. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, these well, guys are disgusting. Look, go look them up on Google yeah. if you're listening. Crones Witcher yeah. three. Crones Witcher three, gross. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so it turns out that uh, Siri had actually been teleported into their bog, um, and uh, they basically found her disguised as these three beautiful women and took her to the cabin. Um, then once they realised she possessed the elder blood, yeah, that's where they came to want to uh, pass her on to the Wild Hunt General uh, Imlareth. Yeah, um, but they did. They actually did uh, decide they were going to simply eat her before they yeah. handed her over. <laughs> uh, 
so they decided to devour her, which uh, yeah. obviously we she she managed to get away from. But yeah, so it turns out that the the when Geralt gets her, I think that's where he finds the Baron's wife Anna. Yeah, and yep. um, yeah, he has to either so. work to save her or uh, yeah, you can either save her or fail to do so, um, which leads to a couple of different uh, uh, I guess endings for for the Baron as well. Yeah, Which I'm happy to go over unless you've got them there. Will. Uh, I don't have them here. Uh, if you want to explain them quickly, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, I can't remember what leads up to it, but if the Baron's wife survives based on her actions, um, they the the journal entry in the in the uh, game basically reads: uh, they say that a man's true nature is revealed in a time of crisis. The Baron's reunion with his wife was certainly such a time. Her deplorable state shook Philip to the core. Yet when he learned there was a silver, sil- a sliver of hope that Anna could be cured of her madness, the Baron seized that thought with all of his strength and decided to ride with his wife to the very end of the known earth, to the Blue Mountains, and seek help for her tortured mind there. So again, so we sort of the crones, the crones and the bloody Baron uh, ending of the time. Well, their story basically coincide. To end the sort of Valen yeah, okay. story, basically. Uh, but if yep. the Baron's wife dies, despite the combined efforts of the Baron, his men and Geralt, um, sorry, despite the combined efforts of the Baron, his men and Geralt, Anna could not be saved. Alas, this was not the end of the bad news. Tamara, who's the Baron's daughter, uh, who had also ventured into the swamp to save her mother, made it painfully clear to the Baron that she no longer wanted to have anything to do with him. Having lost on all fronts and without uttering a single word, he trekked back to the crow's perch alone, which is his uh, fortress. Uh, and not long afterwards, mm. Geralt learned that Philip Stranger, the one-time terror of all of Valen, had hanged himself out of grief and despair, desolated by the loss of all that he had loved in his lifetime. So that's the in-game journal entry once you complete that bit. <laughs> and that's the part I yeah. got. Yeah. Um, uh, it's so dark. That's the part you got, really. Is. I'm pretty sure I saved mm. her. Yeah, I think that was like my one yeah. mistake of the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was pretty sad. <laughs> I'll say it was pretty heavy. Uh, um, and that's like heavy. that sort of. It's sort of like the two sides of the coin that is the the bloody Baron's character. Like when he comes in, yeah, he's got this really, he's got this really bad uh, reputation. Uh, you know, he's he's just nobody likes him. Everyone thinks he's scary, but when you meet him, he's actually more lovable than not. Mm. But then he's down to cover it. It turns out he's actually darker, but not for the reasons people believe him to be evil sort of thing. Yeah. And so then you've got one side where if you get a good ending, he puts, you know, he clearly loves his wife and his family and wants to, you know, cure her and do what he can to regain his family life. But then the other side, it's just the grimmest, uh, I guess, ending to his story we could get, we could ask. Uh, so mm. it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a really grim, even if you get the good ending, it's still pretty grim because obviously his wife's pretty traumatized. So, it's a very dark part of the story. Yeah, it is for sure. Uh, from here, Geralt travels to the northern city of Novigrad and tracks down uh, tracks down Triss Merigold, another old flame of his who is imagined hiding. Uh, she doesn't know Ciri's whereabouts, but she may know someone who can help, uh, someone by the name of Corinne Tilly, uh, who is an... I don't know how to say it. Oneiromancer or slash a dreamer. 
who helps Geralt mm-hmm. dream about Siri's whereabouts. They learn Siri had made contact with the annoying bard Dandelion. <laughs> who, uh, if anyone that's if anyone that hasn't <clears throat> played this game and is listening and has seen the show on Netflix, he features in that as well. Um, and yeah, he's a bit of a annoying stooge, uh, friend of Geralt's. <laughs> yep, he's uh, he's. You're in this medieval land of all this allure and mystery and dark characters, and then you've got this ridiculously American bloke. Who yeah, just, he has the tw- he has the twangiest accent ever, and he's like, "What mm. are you doing here?" <laughs> and da- and Dandelion is actually the one who is writing all of the, <clears throat> these journal entries in the game as well. Yeah, he's uh, the bard and the, the, interesting. Uh, the scholar, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he learns Garrett learns the Syrian Dandelion had struck some sort of deal with one of Novigrad's largest underworld bosses, Horson Junior. Uh, and Geralt tracks him down and discovers that Ciri had been wounded and Dandelion landed in a prison. Uh, Geralt can either kill or spare Horson Jr., which I think has uh, complications later in the game. Mm. Uh, Geralt finds Siggy Revin, uh, who turns out to be Sigmund Dijkstra. Well, Dijkstra. Dijkstra? Oh, Dijkstra. Uh, yeah, I remember for- Dijkstra. Former head of Redanian intelligence, who is known to Geralt from their past, and he discovers that Dandelion and Ciri plotted and stole treasure of his. Through many trials and tribulations, we eventually find out Dandelion was en route to a jail cell in Oxenford's prison, Daerith. I apologise about my prison. Yeah, well, it's the name of the prison. Okay. Yeah. I, thought you, I thought you just had a stroke at the end of this. <laughs> no, no. D-E-I-R-E-A-D-H. Dayrith. Yeah, whatever. Uh, King Ravid, Radovid asks for Geralt's audience uh, shortly after and asks him to track down a person named Philippa Earlhart. Uh, and Geralt questions a man named Dudu, who was an accomplice of the treasure plot that Syrian uh, <laughs> and Syria so Dino had. <laughs> it's D U D U. I might be saying it wrong. Uh, he discovers Dandelion is a prisoner of the Church of Eternal Fire, uh, which at the end of your Novigrad story, Geralt travels to the prison and defeats a bunch of witch hunters and saves Dandelion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Not, well we get. There you go. I was just gonna say, sorry, we, we do get we get so many uh so many companions introduced or reintroduced in this game because we at this part of the game because yep. I think characters like Dandelion and and I'll go into them uh, shortly, but uh, Zoltan as well, all friends of Geralt's from his life past and probably previous yep. games that we might we just haven't met him. Uh so it's really uh it's really loaded up this section. It's more colourful than Valon, that's for sure. Uh a bit shorter because Valen take takes up a lot of that game, um, but uh, but Novigrad's also a cool area because it's very much it's very where if we talk spoke about Red Dead Redemption, how we've got the old west sort of uh, part of the world and you know John Marston's journey all, is all about almost interacting with people who are afraid of civilization creeping closer. It's almost like we go from yep. Valen being the wild west into Novigrad, which is the civilized part. Where the you know it's all about the the uh, aristocracy and uh, bureaucrats and all that sort of thing where it sort of they take back over a bit. So mm. more poli- it's a more political part of the game, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is there anything you want to say now about Danny Lining and 
and uh, Zoltan and stuff because after here it sort of goes into Skellige Isles. So if you want to elaborate now, mm. yeah, sure. So for start, so we, we we touched on Triss and I just uh, yeah. So she's been basically in hiding there because she's uh, being hunted by that Church of Eternal Fire as well. So mm. I think she's the first contact we sort of make when we get to Novigrad. Yeah, and um, you know, even if she's not Geralt's main fancy, you know, maybe not mine. I might have gone for Yen. I can't remember, but I know that Triss has a. A special place in your You can't heart. remember. You're full of it. <laughs> but I know that, that uh, Therese Marigold, she had a special place. You had a soft spot for her. Oh, uh, absolutely. I, I did end up uh, uh, confessing my love for Yennefer in the game, but uh, I I wanted to confess my love for Triss. something inside <laughs> of me, yeah, but I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. I remember it. the conflict at the time. I remember yeah. I remember because we sort of Huge went conflict. because Yennefer because she was the, you know, Geralt's clear preference and you know, it's the he wanted we wanted to show his commitment to her because they had been together a bit yeah. longer. But I remember you're like, "Oh, but but I like Triss." <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Tr- Tr- Triss just seemed player. Yeah, Triss just seemed so uh just such a nicer person than Yennefer because Yennefer's very cold and 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 even mm. to Geralt Yennefer keeps a lot a lot from Geralt and things mm. like that. So I think Triss is just such a more open uh, personality and character that I sort of, uh, you know, in the in the sense of the game, fell in love with her more than than Yennefer during. But I think I don't know. I think towards the end of the game, you spend a bit more time with Yennefer, uh, and I enjoyed that. So I ended up picking her. But either is either option is fantastic. Let's be honest. Mm. Yeah. Yes, I don't think there's a wrong choice to make. Ah, uh, so you, we've, you can uh, uh, you, you you can also spend the night with uh, Kira Metz. I don't know I if know. you did that side uh, quest. I, I did, and I yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a game for boys. Young boys are immature. They're not ready for this yeah. sort of bloody. Like, not even love triangles. I love square. It's for four points in this. <laughs> um, so in next in Novigrad, we uh, we don't meet him first, but we. Uh, we we have Dandelion, who's one of uh, Geralt's best friends, which is strange because he's so totally unlike Geralt. So he's basically mm. he's a real a jarringly American dork, uh, and he's he doubles as a poet uh, or even triples uh, as a poet, a minstrel, and a bard for like royal courts, more yep. or less. He's sort of like that the sing songy jester, no jester, but that sort of. Uh, character so and I loved Dan yeah, yeah. him at the same time he was a real pain in the ass but he was actually it was actually nice coming from Valon which is so dark and having characters like Dandelion there who were just more jovial and totally naive and mm. idiotic well especially for you after you uh, uh, got the sort of bad ending with the bloody Baron as yeah. well it would have been nice <laughs> to just have some uh, friendly faces oh it actually was uh, and I was, yeah. I was surprised because I thought if we're going to meet big characters, and that's where this game does things a bit differently, it spaces out meeting your good friends and key characters. It doesn't dump them all on you at once, which is yep. like with so Yennefer, we don't see her again till like the you know the last half of the game, second half of the game, uh, which seemed weird. And I thought, oh, we probably won't see her, but then when we do, she's a huge mm. part of it. And you think, oh, that's actually a really cool way to pace the story. Yeah, you, we don't have access to them all at once, which is cool. Uh, but mm. yeah, so when so Dandelion obviously goes missing early, as you uh, uh, recounted. But once he's all good, we can actually frequent his uh, tavern, the Rosemary in Time, whenever we want. Yep. to see him again, which is really cool. Yeah, it's always good to go. Good to go to the pub. Um, 
And, and there, and is that where you play uh, Gwent? It is, yes. And I was going, yeah. to, I was going to touch on Gwent uh, shortly because it's a big, big part of the game that I didn't delve into much, but it's huge. Neither, neither really. did I. I played it a few times, but it's it was so popular, it turned it into its own card game spinoff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Mm. So I'll, I'll touch on that. I'll touch on that shortly, briefly, but because because mm-hmm. when we at, at this um, with Dandelion, there is also Zoltan who is uh, um, in the so in the journal entry, which is, as we said, written by Dandelion. Uh, he's described as a dwarf, a soldier, a dwarf, a soldier of fortune, a veteran of the Battle of Brenner, an unassailable optimist, a committed altruist, a lover of rough drinks and rougher songs, a master Gwent player, and above all, a dear and loyal friend to me and Geralt. Nice. And that's just nice. It is mm, just nice. It is. That's, that's where the game... When it wants to just be nice, it just goes nice. It doesn't have the whole twist <laughs> and turns thing all the time. So, um, yeah. So yeah, he basically he's running. He basically runs the tavern in uh, Dandelion's absence, uh, and sort of um, helps Geralt rescue rescue Dandelion, as we described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it was just really nice to meet some friends after this early slog of violence in Gloom. I, I really enjoyed these two characters. Uh, they were uh, a great dynamic. Uh, and Zoltan's a really real hard, hard ass sort of character, but he's he's open about his uh, more sensitive side, which is really yeah. cool. So I think he I think he likes flowers and things like that. You know, he's a real like yeah, it's something like that <laughs> artsy sort of bloke. It's it's really cool. I really like him. Mm. Uh, and just another character we meet outside of the the walls of Novigrad, uh, which I felt like I stumbled upon him in a side quest. I don't actually think it was a main quest, but he comes into the main quest later. Is uh, Lambert, and he's a uh, he's a fellow Witcher of Geralt who came through the academy mm. at Kaer Morhen uh, with him. Um, so he yeah, so he comes into it more directly later, but he basically shows up in a uh, a monster hunting contract. You can take up because yeah, throughout the game you can do all sorts of contracts. For monster hunting, that's why these side quests are so many. It's ridiculous. Um, so he's and when we meet him, he's actually quite harsh and clearly very jealous of Geralt's fame. Um, yeah, just sort of talk, talking about sort of how much he uh, pretty much just picks up the lowly contracts for people who hate witches because everyone hates witches in this too. They're scared of them, but it seems to be that they save the better ones for Geralt, someone like Geralt, and he just sort of gets given <laughs> the dodgy ones. Yeah. Uh, so. I think it's a yeah, and that's another key theme in this game. So that witches are seen as monsters themselves as much as the uh, ones that they hunt. It's kind of sad. Even the people, it is sad, yeah, because they literally uh, like people hire them to protect them, yeah, from monsters. Hmm. But then the people who hire them still treat them as if they're monsters themselves when they're doing them a favor. Yeah, um, even though to be fair, Geralt will one hundred percent not take a penny less than he expects for doing a job. For he, sure. He gets his he he collects his full sum yeah. one way or another. Mm. And if violent he gets violent if you if you don't, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's and that's a that's a key theme that is quite a sad part of the Witcher existence, I think. Yeah. For sure. Um, but uh but yeah and and just on Lambert, depending on the player's choices, he may live or die later on actually. But he may even perhaps end up in a relationship with Kira Metz. Oh, lovely. I didn't know that. Which, it's, it's great to share. Yeah. Oh, that's where the game gets creepy. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, d- look, d- the Kira Metz uh, 
romance quest you can do. She actually uh, she actually states that they're friends with benefits. It's not a uh, it's, mm, it's not yeah. a full on love interest. It's literally a one night uh, thing. So mm. uh, it's fine. Lambert has Geralt's permission, no doubt. Not mm. that he needs it. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, uh, if anyone wants to understand how miserable the, the general theme of Valen is when we we're there, the town, the village that we find Kira in, in the first place, because she's just described as like a woods witch, is uh, called Midcops, <laughs> which just doesn't sound like a nice place. No, not at all. And I thought that captured the theme of the area well. Um, <laughs> So, just quickly, before we move on to Scaliger, uh, like I said, we, we introduced the game of Gwent, which is uh, basically mm. an in-game original card game that they made just for this game. And it sort of really kicks in as you can take... It kicks in in Novigrad as you can take place in like massive tournaments yep. and all sorts of things. Like get, You can get really serious if you want to, but I, I didn't buy into it too much uh, or dive into it too much because I was already well and truly overwhelmed and intimidated by the prospect of the fact that I would never get through any all the side <laughs> yeah. quests or maybe even the main quest. Mm. Uh, but it really took off with other fans. Um, it's sort of, I think it's sort of the witch's take on like uh, like Hearthstone. I don't think it's, it's not too different from that, I don't think. Yeah, so it's sort of similar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just sort of a card game like if you think Yu-Gi-Oh where you put down a an anim- like a creature card or a soldier card and mm. you know they fight against the different cards across across the map and it's all animated it's just really cool yeah it was it was a a cool little addition for people who want it and i hope that i think that cj cd project red who made the game i think the fans got their the value out of it because it would have been a it was a huge undertaking i think to make that card game yeah definitely so, definitely mm. uh i, I re- i'm surprised i didn't get into it more because i really like uh stuff like that in in games like this usually like in my time playing red dead 2 i played like tons of poker and stuff i, I don't yeah, know i just like fun. sitting down doing stuff like that in games uh like mini side quests same with uh i remember when, when i did the ocarina of time episode uh however long ago that was now uh, some of those sort of side things you can do like bowling and stuff like I don't know I always just spend tons of time doing those tiny mini games in, in, in big games mm. like this so I'm surprised I didn't get into Gwent more if I ever revisit Witcher 3 I'll, I will give it more of a chance I think if you revisited it now you'd probably play it a lot more I think I think that back then you were probably just sort of picking up on your sort of puzzle and card game sort of yeah. love yeah probably because I really like mm. pu- puzzle games uh, mm. generally so yeah you're probably right uh, let's just go to Skellige. Uh Geralt enlists Captain Wolverstone to sail him to the Skelliger Isles and meet, to meet with Yennefer uh, in their quest to find Ciri. But he is thrown overboard by pirates during the trip uh, and washes up on the Skelliger shores. He eventually reaches Kea Trolled Castle, home to Kruk, the <laughs> Jarl of the clan and Arn Crate. Just sort of the ruling uh, family, I suppose, of of the Skellige Isles. Geralt and Yen attend a wake for King Bran uh, and end up stealing the mask of Uroboros. 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 No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a good gesture for their attendance and for Ciri, Krak gives them permission to search a magic damaged forest in search uh, in search for Ciri. Yeah, and I think so. I think Krak. Uh, you might have more detail on it, but I think Krak knew Siri from before. 
uh, as well. So uh, w- when he finds out that they're sort of looking for her and what's going on, he has no issue helping. Yeah. Uh, they travel to a town called Lofferton where they hear the wild hunt is torn through the village. Siri was there and they see uh, seek out a man named Craven for more information. Craven had gone to Freya's garden full of monsters and not returned, uh, and they unfortunately find him deceased in an underground cavern of the garden. Mm. I don't know if you remember that scene. Uh, Yennefer reanimates his corpse, uh, corpse, corpse, uh, <laughs> who tells them about Ciri's stay on Hondesjol. Hondes. <laughs> Can you pronounce this for me? H O N D A R S J A L L. Honda's yell, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, right. Yeah, where she narrowly escaped the wild hunt. Uh, and get, uh, she escapes the wild hunt on a, on a boat and it has this ugly creature on board. Uh, and Geralt tries to find this creature, the ugliest creature in existence, which was apparently uh, on board the boat. And the, the trial ends when he discovers it was sold to an unknown person in Novigrad, as in the uh, the trial, sorry, not the trial. The trial in Skellige ends. Mm. Yeah. Uma. Uma. Yeah. You got anything on Skellige while we're here? Well, <clears throat> well like I said, uh, the Isles, the Skellige Isles are very Nordic inspired, as it, everyone would have heard there. Like it's all, you know, they've got a Jarl, they've got a, yeah. a Freya's Garden, who's like the you know, basically the supreme goddess in uh, Norse mythology mm. or uh, paganism. Uh, but and as a result of it being sort of more Viking-filled almost, it's far less political and conspiracy-laden, I think, than the previous two parts, mm. uh, which is a nice break after Novigrad because um, I think in this game, as you sort of get through each area, it's refreshing by the time you get to the next point. It's like so- yep. All three, so Valen, Novigrad, and Skalga are all really different from each other, as I said. So it's really, uh, it's always a nice break when you get back to another one. Yeah. I think. Unf- unfortunately, but- uh, in the Skalga Isles, uh, you have to do two of the worst mechanics in the game, like uh, which are swimming uh, and rowing. And rowing. <laughs> we do- <laughs> they're just, oh they're just absolutely terribly programmed, I'm sorry to say. They are, yeah. It's a disaster. An actual disaster. Yeah, I I've repressed uh, rowing from my mind actually. So I remembered swimming, and I actually remember <laughs> going into it, going into EB, uh, EB games to get. I think I was either buying Witcher. Uh, I reckon I reckon it was maybe when I was picking up the copy, and I mm. went to the and to pay for it. And I think the uh, the um, the person working there said to me straight up that the swimming was awful in it. <laughs> and I went. I went, oh, why are people so cynical? Like, you know, it's just starting a game, they have to point out the negative and then got into it and I was like, oh my God, this is a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's a- because to be fair, I think up to that point, swimming in every game was awful. But in the last in the last five or six years, and we'll do our we'll do a top ten best swimming games all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've actually it's actually improved a lot in games now, I think. It definitely has, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I think, you know, you, you love playing Assassin's Creed. I'm assuming the swimming in Assassin's Creed is quite good now, especially in uh, uh, you, Assassin's Creed you Odyssey. You would have swum a bit, yeah? Uh, no? Yeah, you, no, you do. Sorry, you, you go underwater. Yeah, and in, in um, Valhalla, if you're in Norway, you swim underwater, you die like in about 
20 seconds. <laughs> you just freeze because it's so cold. You can't see anything. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, no, they've nailed it. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey in the Greek Isles. Islands was definitely swimming heavy. Mm, I think- and I just got a pang to play that again now. Yeah. <laughs> I think a game that'll be uh, truly good swimming uh, gameplay will be Horizon Forbidden West. They've shown- uh, some underwater gameplay already. Uh, a lot of the trailer mm. featured some of the mechanical robots in the water, like big mechanical crocodiles and different things. So, um, I think they'll yeah. nail it there. Anyway, that's not The yeah. Witcher can 3, I- is it? Well, can I just say though, actually, I know we're not, it's not The Witcher 3, but that's probably the first time I've mentioned Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And I played that like without any fanfare or even talk because I always mostly talk about what I'm playing. But I, th- I think I clocked up 90 or 100 hours like talk about me playing 70 or so in 70 or 80 in Valhalla but mm. talking about that a lot I played so much of Odyssey yeah. and for and I was just I was literally went into that game and I said to you I'm just going to play it because I love the Assassin's Creed series mm. I owe the respect of playing this but I'm just doing the main quest turns out you can't do the main quest without grinding because you need to level up yeah. so I ended up playing 90 damn hours before finishing the story <laughs> I, Which is ridiculous. Including this time right now, I reckon you've mentioned that game to me less than five times ever. Yeah. So, yeah. you played that under the radar like crazy. It's bizarre. I, and I we talk every day well, and you didn't and then, mention, you've hardly mentioned that to me. So, yeah. I know. It's weird. And it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sad actually. It's a great game. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I actually, so uh, very quickly, I actually always see that. And you and, and I've asked you and you said don't buy it. I always see that on sale and I always have a slight interest in maybe giving it a go uh, just because I've seen screenshots of it and I just like the way it looks visually, uh, that sort of Roman uh, setting or whatever setting it is. Um, Greek, yeah. But I probably won't, but it's, it's on sale a lot for like less than 20 bucks and stuff. So, I've thought about it. Well, I think you'd probably like it more than Origins. I'd say give it a go, but I just honestly, yeah. just in, a, not in res- all due respect, I don't think you'd give it the time it deserves. Yeah, maybe one day you'd be able to. Should yeah. I? Yeah. Anyway, that was a little. So, that was a little three minute uh, steer steer <laughs> off. We should have talked about Assassin's Creed anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just quickly wanted to say as well. So yeah, in Skelliger Isles, uh, just want to highlight the companions we meet each time in each area. So we, Yennefer is the one we obviously catch up with again. Yeah. Uh, and she's always she's very quite caught up in all the sort of regal power plays, like all this sort of all the monarchies and. More than Geralt, like Geralt's quite cynical, doesn't want anything to do with, you know, rulers or anything like that, or uh, uh, yeah, monarchies. But but Jennifer, on the other hand, is definitely neck deep in it all. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, that's just where they get it on on a stuffed unicorn. <laughs> so th- there's that. Lucky uh, the both of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's a funny scene actually because Geralt is—he uh, sort of strips down naked and he watches Yennefer walk away off screen, and then you can see his face drop because he's just almost like oh, this again. And then this, the the screen pans <laughs> out and Yennefer's uh, naked on top of this giant stuffed unicorn, <laughs> and Geralt's like, "For God's sake!" <laughs> yeah, and then it's quite. And funny. I think is it shortly later she she cracks it with him. Mm. Uh, like the next morning or something, and then she opens a teleport and he drops into the middle of the ocean out in the Skelliger Isles, and he goes, he goes, uh, uh, what does he say? Uh, she's she's not feeling great. I was like, she's not the mood. <laughs> he just says something like that. It's so funny. And that's yeah. his voice, by the way. It's just 
He just he just talks like that. There's nothing like he just doesn't give any variety <laughs> or emotion. It's so weird. Uh, so funny. Um, yeah. Why don't we uh, just read? I'm just going to read through the act two and three. Just trying to trot along with the story here, or else we'll be here yeah. literally for days. Uh, well, and this and this game separates the first act being these three massive areas, and it literally takes up eighty percent of the game. So, yeah. in skimming over acts two and three, we're not doing a third of the game each because no, no. they're so much shorter than that. Yeah, that- it's a very strange sort of uh, story classification. Yeah, almost. I don't know how long we've been recording for, but that was literally just act one. So, <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, Geralt rides for Kaya Morin on Yennefer's advice so they can lift the curse on the ugly monstrosity Uma. Uh, it turns out to be Avalak. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Avalak. A powerful sage Geralt, Geralt once knew. Uh, and he tells Geralt that he has hidden Ciri in the Isle of Mists uh, and Geralt decides to head there immediately, which is fun. And mm. through Act Two, what we what Geralt kind of does, he, like I say, immediately, but he does do a few things beforehand. He he actually gathers forces uh, f- from Valen, uh, Skellige, Novigrad uh, to help with the fight against the Wild Hunt. He actually just goes around. Mm. You sort of revisit a lot of the locations uh, that you, <laughs> locations that you just went to, uh, and talk to a lot of the uh, characters you know and get them to help out. It's called the Brothers in Arms quest, I believe, and it's split into three regions or something like that it is yep because uh, we meet we do meet a few uh a few companions who we, we won't mention now i'll go into because there's so many of them because Geralt's but there's quite yeah yeah he's kind of expecting that when he finds siri the wild hunt's gonna pounce so they want to they want to set up something at camor and where they can defend and, and try and fight them off uh for for good basically uh, mm. He ends up finding Siri at the Isle of Mists, and he wakes her from her slumber. Uh, but as soon as she wakes, the Wild Hunt attack, and they immediately flee uh, to Kaimoran. Uh, and after a quick reunion, snow starts to fall over the keep, uh, and the Wild Hunt arrives in huge numbers and attacks the keep, slaying pretty much all or many of their best defenders. Uh, like mm. they really wipe it out. Uh, but when the battle is nearly lost, Siri lets out an uncontrollable burst of uh, rage, which emitted a huge uh, magic blast, uh, and it destroys most of the hunt uh, and caused what was uh, left of the White Hunt to retreat. Uh, The battle was not over uh, at this point, but... uh, Sorry, well, the battle was was over, but the war was not won because some of the hunt got away. Uh, You should be a poet. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Vesemir... uh, falls during the battle and they bury uh and who who remains buries him so unfortunately sort of father grandfather figure of cam Warren passes imagine falling over and being buried just because you fell over <laughs> yeah uh Geralt then takes siri to the emperor uh and you can either take or refuse his coin for finding siri mm-hmm. but but as i mentioned earlier with the law of surprise uh scenario he doesn't return Siri because Siri is destined to him. So even though she's been found, uh, he can either just take the coin or not. And I think based on what you choose, Siri, uh, she either is happy you don't take the coin because uh, she's worth more than you know money, or or if you take the coin, I think Siri is a bit pissed at you, something like that. I don't think it weighs too heavily on anything. Mm. Yeah, have you got anything you want to say about any of that? Uh. 
I think. I hear. Well, I, I guess just to touch on the, just to touch on the. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, sorry, my mate, get, uh, get control of your gadgets seriously. My Apple Watch. Uh, somehow I turned Siri on then, and I just looked down, and I think the whole thing I just said about that whole Act Two was listed. It get recorded the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's smart scribing. Yeah. Uh, so I think the only well, the only real thing to get out of it, besides it sort of bringing together, you know, all the different directions the stories come to, sort of comes to a bit of a head, mm. uh, uh, is that yeah. So the acts two and three are more refined. So it's sort of it's not multi all these different directions you have to go to sort of finish it. It's all in the sort of one area now. So yeah, more, more linear. It's a lot more streamlined. Uh, yeah, hence hence we can yeah. Uh, compact into a quicker discussion and also the so the uh the wild hunt appearing uh, i guess this is sort of where even though they've been mysterious up to this point we sort of start to see them and they're quite big and fearsome and you know can just teleport in and out of battle and they're mm. very powerful but we also meet eridan though the elven leader of the wild hunt uh and yeah, he's sort of like a not so cool uh, Sauron. Like I said, he's it's sort of he's sort of impressive and big, but I think I, I remember as this sort of uh, unfolded this part of the game, I'd sort of lost my I don't know my my fear of him. Yeah, because I just sort of became known who they are, and as yeah, as they start to describe them as you know just a basically a, a sect of elves, as opposed to actually being like a an omnipotent being or force like they're mm. literally just a race of people who have some magic yeah oh, it's, it's sort of lost its edge a bit but uh, but at the same time it's cool that it it's it's cool that that makes uh i don't know can fit into just standard law in a way like they're just sort of normal elves who are just special or mastered different powers i don't know yeah no that's just generally my take no they're good good comments i think if i could say anything about that act two is uh, i think the the actual uh, mission or sequence where you fight off the Wild Hunt at, at Kaimoran is, uh, I remember it being quite stale. It's quite it's, it's quite flat, actually. Like, there's so many Wild Hunt arriving to the keep. But you kind of mm. you, you sat in this one section outside the castle, uh, this sort of one patch of grass as, as Geralt, and you just keep fighting them. You, like you, Top of a hill, too. So, there's not like a, it's not like a big flat land you can run out and fight. Yeah. It's just sort of... Not much, you're yeah. just kind of fighting away, slashing your sword for a fair while, and then it's not until uh, the game sort of triggers a sequence for Siri to have that, you know, that uncontrollable blast is uh, when it ends. And yeah, I remember playing it if, uh, and it was going for a while, and I was like, "Am I doing the right thing? Like, I don't even know. Am I supposed to be going somewhere or not?" But mm. yeah, it's it's actually a bit yeah. boring. But uh, what results uh, with with Siri is obviously worth it. Um, yeah. So that's the, that's Act Two. It's quite streamlined, really. Not that long. I think because because you go around to each region and gather forces. I think that takes up sort of the brunt of the act. Um, mm. And of course, we're skipping a fair lot here, including many many side quests and other things. So like this act, yeah. realistically, if you wanted to, it could probably take you forty or fifty hours, really, uh, <laughs> or it could take you yeah, five. For sure. So who, who knows? It's uh, mm. Act Three. We'll talk about Act Three, and then we'll just, we'll get into the ending. So, uh, basically, uh, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember exactly how how we know this, but 
Siri and Geralt head to a place called Bald Mountain. Uh, oh, actually, I know why. They go to Bald Mountain and kill Imlareth, uh, the general of the Wild Hunt, because he's the one who slayed Vesemir. So, they basically go mm. after him uh, straight away and they kill him. And he was the one that the crones wanted to sell Siri uh, to. Yep, yep. Uh, Geralt and Siri meet with the Lodge of Sorcerers in Novigrad where final preparations are set. So, basically, Yennefer's been talking to the to the lodge, and they're, they're sort of all on boards for this final uh, final defense against the Wild Hunt, basically, because it's it's sort of become more than just uh, getting serious. Sort of turned into more of protecting the whole realm at this point. Yeah, so sure. they're trying to gather everyone and make everyone understand. It's sort of like a, it's like a Game of Thrones um, moment, you know, trying to get everyone to uh, understand what's coming. Uh, uh, mm. What are they called? The um, White Walkers and all that stuff. Yeah, like uh, similar to and also Endgame. Yeah, everyone together to face the final foe. Yeah, the greater, the greater enemy. Yes, definitely. Uh, Geralt travels interdimensionally. Yeah, to Ain L, a place uh, to seek out Gellers, a leader of the Wild Hunt. Again, my pronunciation might be off. G E apostrophe E L S. G E apostrophe E L S. Yeah, Gels or something like that. It was yeah. Gels. Yeah, Gels. Let's say that Gels. That's all right. You, you, we didn't learn Elven in school, so that's fine. <laughs> True. Well, I mean, we might have. I just wasn't paying attention. Oh, if it was in history class, we definitely weren't paying attention. <laughs> he reveals that to defeat the Wild Hunt, they will have to fight them in their own world and on their own terms. And I think this is a great little uh, sequence uh, coming up. So, the plan is to seek out the Sunstone to summon Nag- Nagulfar, a demonic vessel that can sail to Morhog, the land of chaos. Mm. So, I think that's very cool and I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, it's becoming the different realms almost. Yeah. Uh, Geralt finds the Sunstone with the help of Philippa Earlhart and the final pieces are put into place. Uh, but just before you, uh, you know, they sort of go with, through with these final plans, Ciri confines to Geralt that Avalark potentially had a secret lair uh, which is quickly sniffed out by Geralt. We discover that he was researching the same genes that reside in Siri, which does not please the two. So mm. you sort of get this irk, uh, this feeling that uh, Avalak is maybe not to be trusted fully, mm-hmm. even yep. even though he'd yep. saved. Uh, well, he was uh, keeping Siri locked away from the Wild Hunt, which doing the right thing, but you know, was he doing it for the right reasons? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Siri uh, buries Skull, a young man that helped her flee the Wild Hunt in her journey. There's a just a short uh, scene before going through the final plans here. That it's nice to see Siri uh, honouring someone that helped her along the way, because obviously without a lot of help, she probably would have been dead at this point. Yeah, she's a she's a very just and honourable character. Yeah, sure. So as they summon Nagulfar, soldiers of the Hunt are already waiting for them, as it is a trap. They eventually defeat the Wild Hunt and Geralt slays the king with his own hands. Unfortunately, it is too early to celebrate as Eredin explains to Geralt that Avalak has betrayed them and has his own nefarious plans for Ciri. Golly. 
It turns out that Avalark was acting in good nature and him and Ciri had slipped out of the battle behind the witch's back to save the world and Ciri believed Geralt would never have allowed it otherwise. Oh. So, Avalark uh, was actually all right. He was, a good, he was a good man. <laughs> yeah, he was actually all right. And uh, to talk about, yeah, if you want to go into just some of the different endings you can go through. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so uh, basically the player's choices throughout the throughout the game, right from start to finish, uh, can, you know, there's key points or key decisions you have to make. It's not literally, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, my voice literally just died. Um <clears throat> <laughs> so there's key points throughout the game it's not as if every single decision you make affects the ending but there's certain ones that do <laughs> uh, so for example so there's three, sort of three uh, main endings so if Ciri survives after defeating the White Frost and, and Geralt previously took her to meet her father uh, she will become the Empress of Nilfgaard right uh, if Ciri survives but didn't go to meet the Emperor, Geralt helps her t- uh, fake her death and she becomes a witcher. Love it. And if Ciri is killed in her confrontation with the White Frost, the story ends with Geralt retrieving her medallion from the last remaining crone because the crone kept her medallion. Forgot about that. Yeah, right. And we killed two of them. Yep. Uh, so it's sort of like in the in this final battle where... You know the white frost is closing in. Uh, I think Siri actually thinking. I think she gets flashbacks through, like depending on the ending. She can get, she can get flashbacks of all the, of all of her memories with Geralt or of her relationship with him based mm-hmm. on how you treated her throughout the game. Um, so like throughout the game, if Geralt had of if he had have chosen the patronizing, uh, uh, the patronizing and overprotective sort of dialogue or actions throughout the game. She dies in in the attempt to stop the cataclysm, basically just like using all of her life force, basically. Yeah. Um, but if throughout the game he he Geralt or yourself uh, um, guide her to ma- to mature and make her own choices throughout the game, she survives. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So it's only if you're patronizing to her throughout the game is the the only possible one ending where she uh, actually dies. So uh, yeah, it's. It's uh, it's it's one of those things where I I made the I generally make the quote marks right choice throughout games. Mm. Uh, anyway, but if I had got to the end of this game and realised that I'd patronised her trying to protect her and she died, I would have been shattered. <laughs> I'm to sure right tons thing. of people uh, that played this game had that happen to them as well by by complete accident. Oh yeah, it would have been for awful sure. for memory. Uh, from memory, I got the ending where she becomes a witcher. From from yeah, memory, okay. yeah. yeah. I'd have to yeah. maybe check my achievements if there's an achievement for which one I got. Yeah, but I definitely she, didn't have yeah, the she, one where she died. She became a witch, the witcher for me as well. Yeah, okay. That's the best ending. You, you, surely, I think. I think you go to the the same uh, in at the crossroads where old. Uh, yeah, shouldn't mention it, but Jimmy's brother disappeared. Um, um, I think that's where you end up at, after the game, and she reveals herself as a witcher. So, yep. So, I mean, look, he might find her there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and the, so the player's choices also determine whether Geralt ends up in a romantic relationship with Yennefer, Triss, or Nida. 
mm. um, and and how much of the north, and also determines how much of the north end of the map where Novigrad is is actually is ultimately conquered by Nilfgaard. Yeah. So Nilfgaard. So when we go to see Emperor Amir, who is uh, you know Siri's dad, they're actually Nilfgaard's an empire that is actually to the east, so outside of the the playable map area. Yeah. And I think Tamiria is the the kingdom, the ruling kingdom of Novigrad in this. So Nilfgaard basically want to come in, take Valon and take Novigrad. So it's a lot of politics that go in the background that's probably not worth actually talking about because it's yeah, we can go forever. Yeah. So but that's that's the ending. That's what happens. Yeah, and with and with um the relationship uh decision, yeah, you, you said or neither, because you can actually sort of try and go forth as far as you can with both, but it ends up in a um confrontation scene yeah. where they both find out and then they both basically say, nah, get out of here. Like together, they almost and come together, uh, the two of them, and say, stuff him. <laughs> exactly. And so, if parents are listening to this and thinking, I'm not letting my kid play that because they'll just, they'll, they might make bad decisions. Well, it'll come back to bite them in the ass anyway. <laughs> so, it's okay. They will learn the hard way. Yeah. No, that's it. It's a good, <laughs> it's a great game. Uh, I hope you loved all those spoilers we just, we just went through. And, and like I said earlier, the, how I felt like the Wild Hunt sort of came and come and go quite quick in the ending of the game. Like I, when I was mentioning Act 3, like I brushed over the uh, Geralt King, killing the king and all that because it actually happens really fast. Uh, that sequence when you summon the um, demonic ship and you sort of start finding them, uh, it doesn't actually go for very long. It just, I don't know, it's just, it just seems like such a quick quick ending uh, to the Wild Hunt. Hmm. It's, it's strange. I would have expected a bit more uh, badassery. Yeah, same. Yeah, but uh, it, it's it's fine. It is what it is. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, do you have a burning question? I don't have one. I do. Huge burning question. I just uh, so we've we've accepted that this game, despite how much we loved it at the time of playing it, we could just never get back into it. Mm. It's probably a complete and total anon- anomaly for us, where it's a game we totally love. We loved, you know. The entire journey, pretty much, except for the swimming and the rowing, and uh, we, uh, yeah, but we just can't get back into it because it's just too big and too much of a task to take on again. Mm. So, in saying that, how long do you, would you want between, say, if there was a fourth game, for example, so if there, a fourth Witcher game came out, how long, how many years break do you need in between to make it worth playing again? Because I couldn't, I honestly probably couldn't play one within. Uh, five years being the absolute minimum, 10 probably being, probably eight's probably a sweet spot, eight years in between. <laughs> so, you're saying like eight years after we played The Witcher 3, you want The Witcher 4? Yep. How long has it been since we played The Witcher 3, you reckon? Well, it came out in 2015. We got that I think we, away, I think years. we played it in 2016 because uh, I bought it in America and we went to America at the very end of 2015, so... We would have. We played it literally probably on the first of January. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally over. <the> year. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been what five years? Oh, I mean, look, if they come out tomorrow with a you know some huge trailer for The Witcher Four, it's this expansive, massive game, and, and it's you know which uh, Geralt and Ciri uh, follows their story after Witcher Three and that, and it's coming out next year. I'd totally play it. No, you totally play it, but just what's the sweet spot? Because I'm still. 
I don't know. I'm just not ready to have a game that big. Yeah, I think the sweet spots. Oh, uh, it's not next year. It's the year after. It's 2023 mm-hmm. because we know we know eight years. There you go. Is that yeah? It's eight years. Yeah, but that's I only say that because we know what's coming out next year. We've got uh, we've got uh, uh, Gotham Knights. We've got Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy. We've got potentially the next God of War. Potentially the sequel of Breath of the Wild. You know, we've got all these absolute games that are going to be so big, and we're going to and we're going to really want to play. I would love if The Witcher Four exists for it to hold off off next year. Yeah. Come out in 2023. I'm also a little bit scared after what happened with Cyberpunk about it. I don't want mm. the swimming to get any worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, we don't want to skimp on the uh, on the input into the QA, yeah. the quality assurance yeah, of the so, swimming. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe 2023. kind of sounds funny to say like, oh, eight years is a sweet spot, but... Uh, I don't think at the time of playing it, I thought, you know, oh, I think in about eight years, I'll be ready to play the follow-up. It was just that it's just such a big game and we were, it honestly just made me tired. Uh, just playing it made me tired, even though I enjoyed it. Uh, so, I just, went, once it was done, I, it was actually a relief, which, which sounds I mean. funny because like, we, yeah, yeah, we really liked the game. Um, I'm sure they would, I'm sure the game would feature, um, you know, sort of top whatever list of games for both of us. So, um yeah mm-hmm. it's a funny it's a good question yeah great question yeah but look honestly i think <laughs> we've said enough about the game uh if i could summarize the way i feel about it i would say it's really flipping good and if you've never played it you should you should try it and yep. yeah but just but you know if you go play it don't just understand that it's such a big undertaking and just pace yourself and play it when you want don't don't take it too seriously yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's the ultimate story-based uh, fantasy game you can play. People love Skyrim and love World of Warcraft and all these things, but they're more of a grind. I know there's story in them, um, mm. but it's definitely more about the, oh, I don't know. That's, they're probably more about, uh, yeah, probably more about the grind, whereas these are, these are like, yeah, you have, you have the character with his dialogue. It's an established character called Geralt, mm. you, you know, uh, I don't know. I just think it's the ultimate fantasy game that is is more accessible than probably those real. Uh, it's, it's look. It's really rich. I, I can't. I don't want to uh, be cheap at cheapen it by saying that it's probably not as rich or dense as the others. But I just think it, in some ways it's more accessible to people who aren't fantasy fans hmm. as well. Um, so anyway, just I'd give it a crack. I remember at the time I reckon I gave it a, at least a nine out of ten. So yeah. I'd I'd have to stand by it because I, I just because it's a bit older and mm. you know we're grumpier old men. I don't <laughs> want to give it less of a score. So. Well, I've played um, yeah. well, I've played a good good majority of Skyrim, and I I can tell you right now I would pick this game over Skyrim any day of the week. Uh, and mm. I think one of the reasons it's more accessible uh, than something like Skyrim or you bring World of Warcraft into it is because you're playing in a well-established. Uh, character named Geralt of Rivia and you know exactly who you are but you you start Skyrim you got to pick from bloody 15 classes and make your guys shape different and and like Mm. I don't know I think there's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in the game but I think for you and I playing well-established well-written characters is always what has made us uh, uh, more invested in games so it just works for us 
Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, and before we go, last thing, uh, you need to tell us how your rum was. Ooh, so the Superior Buckeye Rum, original dark. Mm. It was um, honestly, it was quite bland. But it, you know, again, we're we're uh, typically used to spiced rums, so just because a dark rum isn't spiced, mm. I can't judge it accordingly. Yep. Uh, although I would definitely put it on the low end of mix it. Yeah. Okay. Fair play. It's uh, um, I think it's, I think it's available at BWS. Uh, yeah, BWS and. Well, that would be Dan Murphy's as well, probably, mm. in Australia. Uh, but I just, uh, I don't know. It is what it is. I got a little flask of it. It's pretty, uh, pretty cheap, and mixing it might be okay. But uh, I wouldn't exactly drink it straight ever again. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, with Sailor Jerry's, I feel the exact same way I did in episode one. It's a solid mix. It. Mm. One thing I can say about it though, it genuinely is very good for warming uh, the hard cockles. Every sip I've had, my uh, chest feels very warm and uh, and good. So, I'm happy about that. Mm. Well, ever since I introduced you to the concept of heart cockles, I've seen you take it in your stride and you just your cockles seem warmer. I can see it from here. Yeah, I love it. See I, it's here. actually made my life just generally better. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, anyway, thanks for coming, uh, Luke. Thanks for listening, everybody. Follow us on social media, please, at Real Rumble Pack on uh, what's that? Twitter and uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's just yep. Rumble Pack Podcast. Yep. Um, and next week, we're talking about The Simpsons Hidden Run and there'll probably be plenty of laughs because The Simpsons is funny. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to... Yeah, we'll be idiots with that one for sure. Yeah. No doubt well, about it. We won't be taking it too seriously. It's a pretty <laughs> silly game. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, we, you know, we'll get to intro- introduce you to, you know, some lesser known characters such as... Homer Simpson, you know, uh, what makes him tick, uh, you know, he's got his uh, complicated wife, uh, Marge, really uh, <laughs> deep, you know, so we're just going to break him down for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, well, we'll see you next week. See you later.